Welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Welcome to Citizen Heights Christmas Spectacular. We're so glad to have you with us today, and uh, we want to greet you, the, those who are here with us, as well as those online who are joining us, uh, wherever you might be experiencing Christmas this year, we're so glad that you took time to be here, to join us, and uh, to celebrate the miracle that is Christmas. And we are uh, we're excited, especially today, because we have an opportunity to celebrate in song and art and, and really sing and 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 fix our focus on the significance of the season. And so I want to give you just a few moments this morning. In a moment, we're going to get back to our Christmas spectacular. We've got more songs and and more production and and more things to really celebrate. And then, of course, we've got, uh, if you're here in the building with us, you've got uh, our Christmas cookie reception immediately afterwards. And I think Santa and his elves have agreed to it's a busy time, but they've agreed to come in and help us out. We've got gifts for every child and a photo area for families, so we can really I- enjoy uh, enjoy the season, right? But I'm going to go ahead right now and invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke if you have your Bible with you, or if you want to just follow along in the Citizen Heights app, there's message notes that you can track along with, or you can look along on the big screen with us. We're talking about uh, the miracle of Christmas and, uh, and, and specifically experiencing the miracle of Christmas. Personally experiencing it. You can celebrate it, and uh, you, can, you can be part of the celebration that is, that is culturally going on all around us right now. And it can be uh, decorations, and it can be festivities, and it can be office parties and white elephant gift exchanges, or it can be a personal experience with the miracle of Christmas. And uh, t- today I want to take a few moments specifically for you to consider the miracle of God's redemptive plan. You know, we've been talking about the miracle of Christmas and the miracle of God's uh, plans and the miracle of God's purpose. And as we just sang and, and just listened to the miracle of God's plan uh, that was beautifully revealed to us and experienced by Mary. And uh, I want to look at that biblical account right now as we allow it to unfold. It's in Luke chapter 1. We'll read from verse 26 to verse 37, and it reads, so, yeah, verse 26, six months after Elizabeth had become pregnant, remember Elizabeth, we talked about her last time, we talked about how Elizabeth is the cousin of Mary, and Elizabeth and Zechariah became pregnant, and it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, and the angel went to a virgin, promised in marriage to a descendant of David named Joseph. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel entered her home, he greeted her and said, You are favored by the Lord. The Lord is with you. She was startled by what the angel said and tried to figure out what this greeting meant. And the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. 
you will become pregnant, you will give birth to a son, and his name will be Jesus. He will be a great man and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. Your son will be king over Jacob's people forever, and his kingdom will never end. Mary asked a very reasonable question at this point. How can this be? I've never been with a man. How can this be? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come to you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy Child developing inside you will be called the Son of God. He says, He will be a great man, but at the same time, He will be the Son of God. Verse 36, Elizabeth, your relative, is six months pregnant with a son in her old age. People said she couldn't have a child. Remember Elizabeth was, the confession of Elizabeth and Zechariah was, we are really old. Come on, anybody ever used that one before? Too old. My son, for his 12th birthday party, we went to a trampoline place yesterday. And they jump around for hours. And uh, guess what I used? I'm too old to do that, to have my neck hurt the whole following day. We, we have our excuses. Elizabeth and Zechariah had their excuses, and Gabriel said they had excuses, and they were reasonable, scientifically uh, f- foundational types of excuses. They were too old, and Elizabeth was barren. But Gabriel says they are six months pregnant because nothing is impossible for God. And then we we key in on this verse 38. Then Mary said, her response to all of this news is, let it be to me according to your word. Let it be to me according to your word. You know, this time of year, uh, there's so many Christmas celebrations. There's so many nativities. There's there's so many artistic displays. And I've always I've always wanted to do a nativity installation at our DC campus. And and now that we're we have this wonderful Dulles uh, location here in Chantilly, Virginia, I'd love to have a a, a live nativity. But I, maybe you got to start with like the plastic figures, you know. It's, it's, it's a heavy buy-in to get, you know, the animals out and the people to stand out, the living nativity. But you could start small. And then I saw this post of a picture of a church's nativity scene and uh, the comment that it inspired. <laughs> if you can see it, where, where are we at? Yeah, baby Jesus is going to have some killer abs some wicked abs after just holding that crunch position the whole time. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny enough to share with you and uh, Jesus doing crunches. But it's funny, but it also illustrates people don't always know what we're celebrating. People don't always know what the real celebration and reason for the, and the cause for celebration. Uh, a virgin will conceive a, a, a baby is going to be born in a manger. A baby is coming. Everybody get excited. And it doesn't always make sense. You know, we, we throw out our plastic light-up decorations. You know, a bale of hay, that ought to do it. That ought to communicate the message sufficiently. But our artistic represent, representations of Christmas can only go so far. No matter how spectacular the display or, or how great the music or how great the pageantry, I want to remind you today that Jesus is what's spectacular about Christmas. 
Jesus is what is spectacular about the celebration and the miracle of Christmas. And it's a personal miracle that leads to something bigger. So the message of hope and the message of peace and the message of love it's not found in a season. It's not limited. There are no jurisdictional boundaries around December and the appropriateness of, of talking about Jesus because it's found in a personal encounter with Jesus. So our topic today for the next few moments is experiencing the miracle of God's redemptive plan. God redeems, God restores, and God is interested in you at a personal level. Question for you to think about. Now, first of all, I want you to consider the last two years. I'm going to ask you a question, but first, think about the last two years. Think about your life. Think about the ups, the downs, the, the, perhaps the curveballs that you've been fielding, the detours. And my question is this. Have you ever made plans that didn't work out? Anybody? Anybody ever make some plans that didn't work out? Have some ideas about your future, what you'll do in this coming year? And in the last two years, you can look back and, and maybe you made plans to travel, right? Well, what else you got, right? Next year, uh, you might have been planning, we'll, we'll be ready to buy a house, and that changes. Maybe you thought to yourself, I'll open a new business. Maybe you thought that back in 2019. Time to open a new business. Because fuel costs are low. Our ability to unload ships at ports is very efficient. What could go wrong? I'll just start an import business. And then your plans, what? Blown up. I'll be married by 26. Oops. I'll make my first million by 30. Sorry. I'll be able to franchise it by 40. Nope, didn't work out. But we make a lot of plans, don't we? Come on, poke your neighbor and say, you got any plans that haven't worked out recently? Right? We make our plans. We have budgeting plans. We have business plans. We have fitness plans. We have health plans. We have uh, school plans and marriage plans and kids plans. We make a lot of plans. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes planning is our defense mechanism about of, of feeling like the world is out of control. And so when the topic comes up in our mind and we begin to panic and, and think, whoa, what, what am I going to do? Well, oh, I've got a plan. It, it'll be okay. I have a plan. But then the plan. What do you do when your plans don't work out? Turn our attention back to Luke 1, our text today. Mary had a plan. Mary and Joseph had a plan. Can we, be, can we personalize and, and humanize the text today so we don't just look at Mary as if she's a plastic figure in a nativity scene somewhere, but she was a teenage girl who had thoughts about her future, plans and ideas about where she would go and what she would do and what she would accomplish. Mary had plans. I'm going to get married. She was engaged, we just read. So I'm going to get married, and Joseph's going to develop his carpentry business, right? We'll serve at the local temple. We'll become known in the community, become a respected part of the community that we live in. And, and one day, God willing, down the road, you know, when we're established and when we're able, maybe we'll start a family of our own, grow our family. Mary had plans just like you and I have plans. And so I want to give you one idea and one thought today. Are you ready for it? If, you, if you're in the 
Citizen Heights app, you're, you're already ahead of us. There's one thought I want to give you today, and, and this thought will give you resilience, and it will give you endurance and stability in the face of, of the uncertainty of tomorrow. Okay, this is Mary's gift to us, and it's this. Mary trusts God's plan more than her own plan. Mary trusted God's plan more than her own. How else could she say in verse 38, let it, let it be to me just as you've said. According to your word, I'm in. This was, this was not after a deliberation of several months. This was in the moment, here's God's plan for you. And Mary's response shows such a depth of trust that she has a personal trust in a personal God who makes plans for her that can sideline her plans anytime he wants. According to your word, according to God's plans. What she's saying is, even when things aren't according to my plan, I know that they're always going according to the plan. There's something stabilizing about being able to say when, when something comes into your life and, and it was unexpected and it sidelines side your plans, being able to say, you know, it, it wasn't according to my plan, but that's okay because this is all according to the plan. And God can work all things together for good. Even when things aren't going according to my plan, I trust a personal God because his plan is always to redeem and restore. That's why, you, that's why at a personal level you can trust this plan because his plan is always to redeem and restore. That's a good God. And the plan is to redeem and restore. And, and if you look up the word redeem, you might go, well, what, what's that? That's a funny word. Well, you've redeemed certificates and gift cards and coupons in the past, but in the Bible, the word redeem, it literally means to, to set free from captivity, to release from captivity by paying a ransom. That's what it means. God is always taking that which was locked up, that which was sidelined or broken, that which ha had found, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, confined, being confined. Have you felt confined in your, in your job or confined in your mental state, confined in your, in your physical state? You feel, you feel trapped. But God's plan, his redemptive plan is to redeem through the ransom, release from captivity, and restore to bring it back to its original intention, its original purpose, its original plan. So she receives this. Mary, understand now, she receives this angelic notification of God's plan for her. Here it is. And this wouldn't just be an alteration of a, of a young, engaged Hebrew teenager's plan. This, what Gabriel has just told her is not just a, a slight addendum. It's not an alteration. It's an obliteration of her plan. Completely. A young teenage girl who's engaged now is pregnant. And the scandal throughout the community and the questions that are asked, the accusations that are made, the social disconnection that is imposed, this is something that you carry with you a while, especially in this tight-knit community. Yet she had the trust in the midst of all those things in the eternal redemptive plan of God that God redeems and restores. That's what God does. 
God redeems and restores, yet she, she had this trust. Experiencing the miracle of God's redemptive plan means trusting God's personal plan for my life. God has personal plans for you. He has plans for you at a personal level. Sometimes we act like God exists to, to rubber stamp our plans, right? Come on, God, I, I got some great ideas. As if God's going to be impressed and God's going, oh, I've never, I've never considered that angle before. I, I was wondering how I was going to work that out. What a magnificent plan you've presented me with. I, I am here to rubber stamp your plan. No, God has plans. The Bible says he sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. It's a perfect plan. It's, he's navigating you through uh, obstacles you don't know exist circumstances and, and hardships and dangers that you didn't even appreciate. And God is just working you through. You ever have that pop up on your GPS? It's like, uh, traffic has increased ahead. We've rerouted you. And you're like, well, thank you very much. Because I did not know traffic had increased ahead. And I did not know that I was going to be, you know, in, in deadlock traffic. But somebody else had a perspective I didn't have and saw what I couldn't see and God is eternal in his watching over this timeline of your life, and he is able to direct your path. And when things don't go as planned, your faith can either get wobbly or it can be resolved. Wait a minute. His eternal plan is to redeem and restore. That's his plan. And so if he's rerouting my plan, it's to align me with his personal redemption and his personal restoration for my life. So I can trust this new route. It, it might get me there sooner, but unlike GPS, sometimes it'll get you there uh, safer. But Mary has this not in my plan, not a problem attitude. She just has this great attitude, not in my plan, but not a problem, because God's plan has always been to redeem and to restore, and I, that's what I want for my life. That's what I want for my wife. That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for my workplace. That's what I want for my church. That's what I want for my city. I want the restoration and the redemption of God, just to, like that trust, that simplicity. She has a perspective I, I believe one of the most powerful perspectives you can ever gain because it insulates you and it guards you even when it appears that the world is burning all around you that God has still got me. God still knows. This has never been about my plan. Mary realizes it. It's always been about the plan, his plan. And here's the amazing thing. Mary in a moment, be it unto me according to your word. She trusts it because his plan has always been about redeeming and restoring. Redeeming and restoring. Jeremiah 29, 11. God has a great plan for your life. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. That's the plan of God for your life. And it happens at a personal, experiential level. It happens in such a powerful way. So, so I'm going to trust it. Come on, church. There's a step that we take to say, you know what? I'm going to trust. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to go ahead and take a step of faith. And the more time I spend worshiping and the more time I spend praying and the more time I spend walking with God or serving God or listening to God or obeying God, he still hasn't blown it yet. 
You know, have you ever heard that saying, don't, don't meet your heroes? Because you'll be disappointed when you meet your heroes. Have you ever met one of your heroes? My boys grew up golfers and really into golf. And uh, I remember the first time we met our, our favorite golfer. And he's a big-time golfer. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to malign him. Because he's still my favorite golfer. But uh, he didn't have time for us. And he was quite rude. He was quite abrupt. And here I've got these two little dudes that are that they're basing their life off of wanting to chase this dream. And one word from him could have inspired everything in them, but he, could, he wouldn't give it. And in that moment, you, you say, well, yeah, don't meet your heroes because your vision of them, what you presume them to be will suddenly be, it'll suddenly collide with reality and the disappointment might be too much. Can I tell you that the, a personal God we serve the closer you get, the more clear you see. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn on you. He will never abandon you. He will never leave you. This is the God we serve. The closer you get, the more personal it gets. And you realize, I was looking at the miracle of Christmas through a telescope of religion. And I was so far off. And I thought that, the, that I had to approach God in fear. I had to approach God out of concern for how I would act and what I would do because, you know, God might know a little bit about my past. Yeah, he does. But he's made plans for your future. And it starts with a personal experience with Jesus where he deals with the past. The Bible says he forgets. And he sets, the, he sets your sin and my sin as far as the east is from the west, it is no longer within his remembrance. That's the forgiveness of a personal encounter you find with Jesus. You go, well, I don't know if I can let myself off the mat. That's what takes faith. It takes faith to say, what Jesus did for me paid my ransom so I could be released from the guilt, released from the shame, released from the regret, released from the, the, the self-imposed sentence that I've imprisoned myself and I told m myself that I deserve this and I made this bed and I gotta lay in it and that this is just the outworking of the universe finding me and, and just karma blasting me. And you go, no, that's not what the Bible talks about. It talks about a God who came and intersected religion and my works and Jesus said, I, will be born among men. I'll be 100% man, and simultaneously I'll be 100% God. So I will carry with myself the perfection of divinity, but the frailty of humanity. And I will experience every emotion that you'll ever experience, and I won't sin even though the enemy came to him and tempted him and discouraged him and, and tried to lure him and, and, and draw him away. And the Bible says he experienced everything you and I experience, yet without sin so that he could go to the cross a sinless perfect man but yet God and in his death and in his resurrection the ransom was forever paid so when God sees you at a personal level now he doesn't see the missteps and the miscues and the omissions and the commissions God sees the finished work of the cross and it's a filter over your life so when God looks at you he sees you holy holy can you imagine that
personal experience that God is good. Because when you believe the plans he's made for you are better than the plans I made for you, or you made for you, the plans God has for you are better than the plans you made for you. His plan is to redeem and to restore you. Come on, do you believe it? His plan is to increase and grow you. Do you believe it? It's not to hinder and to harm you, but it's, to, it's the best hope in your future to grow you. Mary said, not my plan, not a problem. Because there's a personal God who's got a personal plan for me. And I've experienced that redemptive plan. And this is the thing. Once you experience the redemptive plan, now you can go on to becoming part of God's plan for another. Part of God's plan for another. Mary's reality, think about this, and we'll, we'll conclude with this thought. Mary's reality is this. God is going to introduce you. Think about this. You're Mary now. God is going to introduce people to their Savior through your willingness to pivot from your plan, Mary. Mary, if you're willing to pivot from your plan, I will introduce people to their Savior. And if you just say yes to the plan, and Mary said yes, 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 yes. But understand this, Mary's reality is your reality. It's my reality. The same reality. God is going to introduce people to their Savior through your and my willingness to pivot from our plan and say yes, yes, yes. Consider how great, how eternal, how ever-present and all-knowing God is. He sees the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He works all things together for his good. Nothing shocks, surprises him. He knows the details of your life. He knows the good, the bad, the ugly. He's under no illusions about who you and I are. Yet, he never abandons us. He never leaves us because his plan is to restore us and to redeem us. Consider that old hymn. I used to sing it in First Baptist Church of Messina, New York. Growing up, I was just a little kid. And they'd say, turn to the hymnal, a page, whatever. You flip to the hymn, and there it was, how great thou art. And it was one of the favorites. All the, all the older ladies, they would sing it in, in multiple harmonies with this big old vibrato this big scooping vibrato. And then we would sing that hymn reminding ourselves, the God who created the universe, what a miracle, how great thou art, right? The God who commands elements and seasons and weather patterns, the miracle, how great thou art. It's the same great God that can be trusted with the personal details of my life. And that's why we sing, how great thou art. And what he's planned for my life revealed how great God's redemptive plan is to other people in my life, just as it will be for all of us. And I want to complete that thought shortly, but first, let's take a moment to consider and respond to the miracle of Christmas for this. But now spiritually, we confess that we receive God's forgiveness through Christ's work on the cross. We receive the grace of God by faith, and we receive it in this holiday season of gift-giving as the ultimate miraculous gift, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of having a clean slate and a fresh start, and for God to 
have a relationship, a personal relationship with us, a full pardon, ransom paid, sins blotted out, deeds remembered no more. So if that's for you today, I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer. Every eye closed, no moving around, wherever you are, that the miracle of Christmas would go home with you today. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life because you first gave me yours. I love you, Jesus, because you first loved me. I need the miracle of your forgiveness. I need the miracle of your purpose. I trust in the miracle of your plan. So I invite you in my life. I surrender to you. I want to live for you. Now say this boldly, I am a Christian. By grace I've been saved. It's a gift I receive by grace, not because of my efforts, but because of the goodness of God and what Jesus did. Can you say amen? Let's rejoice with those who just prayed that prayer. For th